Hey everyone, and welcome to the Uke Stuff Podcast, episode 19. And in this podcast, we're going to talk with the Ukulele Sisters. And that would be Jenny Peters and Rebecca Bogart. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell everybody a little bit about what you do and who you are. Okay, um, I'm Jenny, and my sister, Rebecca, the two of us together are 21 Ukulele Songs. And what happened, basically, is I am a public school music teacher, and about eight years ago, I was in a situation where my district had suffered some budget cuts. So we went, so I went from teaching orchestra to going to teaching orchestra, third grade general music, fourth grade general music, fifth grade general music, orchestra, third, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and also a section PE. So there was a lot going on at that particular year. It was how we kept the music programs was to just double people up a lot. And the other thing that they needed to do is they needed to bring more than one class into a general music setting. So instead of having a class of like 25, I had a class of about 45. And I was in a very small space. And I had a lot of kids that did not like to sing. Chris knows all about that. <laughs> so I had, there were ukuleles on the wall. They were there from the previous teacher. And the kids were dying to learn to play them. So I thought, well, I'll just take one home and figure it out. I had played a little bit of guitar. And so I went home and I did not find that the left hand technique was all that difficult for me because I came from a string background, but I found that I really wasn't very good at strumming. And if I could change chords, it still didn't sound that great. And I also found that when I went online to look for materials, there was nothing that was really easy enough for what I wanted to teach for my students. Because my students were going to need one chord songs, they were going to need to work on steady beat, they were going to need to work on rhythm, they were going to need to work on the coordination of singing and playing, and changing chords was going to come down the road. Also, when I tried to teach playing melodies, that just didn't work with that many students. So I took a class at the Old Town School of Folk Music here in Chicago in Hawaii and ukulele and learned a lot of strums. And from taking this class and talking to the teacher of it and figuring out I, we just, I decided to create something that used really simple folk songs. So our first songs in our books are all songs that don't change chords, things like Are You Sleeping, any kind of sound that, song that might be around, because that's, you don't have to change chords on it, and develop steady beat and the singing. So that was how we did that. Then I went out to California to visit Rebecca over the summer, and she, we, she and I were talking, and she said that she was interested in ukulele. And she, I said, I know ukulele. So I shared all this information with her and I taught her. And through the act of teaching her as well, I learned a lot about the left hand that it's not um, incredibly intuitive for everyone because places where my students were getting stuck, I was not understanding why they were getting stuck. And it was helpful to have another person's point of view. Between the two of us, we have probably 70 years of teaching experience because we've both taught piano, I've taught violin, I've taught strings as well. We've taught our whole careers and both of us were, you know, we're sisters. We grew up playing piano and learning together. So we were able to apply and think a lot of this uh, pedagogy through. I also had a background in Suzuki, violin of course, and in Suzuki you definitely you use folk tunes that are from the person's culture. And so using folk tunes from American culture just seemed like a really logical place to start. And so that's how we developed the original 21 songs in six days. And Rebecca was able to learn 21 songs in six days. And that was really exciting. <laughs> so Rebecca, you want to add anything about yourself and sure. your own journey? Yeah. Um, I, my background, you know, I played flute in high school. Um, I've studied and played piano my whole life. And um, at one point, 
due to some personal stuff, I decided I wanted to write a book about music, some kind of book, and get it self-published and um, have that be part of what I was doing. And so I went on Amazon. And I was researching all around on Amazon, like, what kinds of books about music were really popular. And I saw that ukulele was super popular. And I mentioned it to Jenny. And she was like, oh, I know all about that. So, so I stood right around when she had the thing with the general music, you know. So I said to her, well, let's write the book together. I thought that'd be a fun thing for us to do together. And then, like she said, she came out to California and, um, you know, taught me to play the ukulele. So it's actually pretty interesting as somebody who's, you know, I've played lots of really big, hard, complicated piano pieces, and I've taught beginners how to read music on the staff and understand what chords are and all that kind of stuff. But I had not ever um, played any kind of a string instrument. So for me, the you know, making the chord shapes with my left hand was very um, odd. It felt really odd. <laughs> and, um, and so the, some of the things that people have trouble with, with learning ukulele, I didn't have any trouble with, like the strumming and, you know, steady beat and understanding like what a measure is and where to change the, all that piece of it. Um, I know a lot of our people that read our books write to us that those things are hard for them. That That wasn't hard for me, but the um, learning of the left hand and getting the left hand to change um, quickly enough, that was pretty hard for me. So um, I think between the two of us coming at the ukulele from really different musical instrument backgrounds, we, you know, we kind of had the understanding of how different pieces of it can be hard. And I also think because we both taught beginners for so many years, we have a really good sense of, um, you know, the kinds of things that people don't understand about music. Because a lot of the ukulele materials out there that Jenny looked at, it was kind of like they they were for people who had already played guitar. You know, they kind of started a little further along in the process than uh, a lot of the folks that Jenny and I have taught over the many years of teaching beginners. <laughs> so. so, Rebecca, was your um, college degree in, in music ed as well or music performance? I have a bachelor's in business, so okay. I'm the businessy person of the group. Um, and then I have a master's in piano. Okay. And so since I finished my master's degree, I've been a private studio teacher of piano. And I kind of have a specialty in ergonomically efficient piano playing. And I, I do retrain injured pianists as well. Well, that's pretty so, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time, you know, doing self-promotion and, and building up a studio that could support me. So in terms of like marketing and outreach and how to make a presence on the web, I had a lot more background in that than Jenny did. So what was music like in your home growing up? What was that like between both you as sisters and then the rest <laughs> of your family? Uh, uh. Well, <laughs> uh, well, it, it was interesting because both of us were very serious pianists. And so we used to make a schedule about who would get the piano when. And I'm more of a morning person and she's more of a night person. So... I would practice in the morning before school. And then I was also in the concert choir that also met before school. So I would get up before choir and probably practice about, I was probably going to get up at 5.30. I'd practice from 6 to 7 on the piano, rush off to school to make the 7.20 class, go to school all day. And then I would come home and that would be her time to do the piano. And that's when I would do the violin. <laughs> and her brother played the clarinet and he was not nearly as interested as either Rebecca or I but at one point he got back at us it was very funny I think he accidentally set his alarm for 4 30 instead of 5 <laughs> I forgot that 
And he was playing the clarinet at five in the morning. And I was like, why are you really loudly into my bedroom? So, I mean, he kind of was getting back at both of us for that. But there was always music coming out of our house constantly. Our mother insisted that we practice and that in order to pay for lessons, she insisted on the practice. And it was, uh, we, there were no uh, iPads for distraction or anything like that. So we practiced quite a bit. Yeah. And you guys grew up in California, you said too. Yeah. Now, are were your parents musical? Were their parents musical? Do you do you know if that was a part of your family's tradition before you you got into music yourselves? We had a great aunt who great aunt Marguerite who apparently was wanted to be a concert pianist in the nineteen twenties, um, but I don't know of anyone else in our family. Jenny, do you? I mean, our cousins are musical. It's interesting to me because my my mom, our mom, and my aunt, our aunt. They both played instruments. They weren't serious about it. But all four of the granddaughters on that side of the family, from which great aunt Marguerite was there, all four of us ended up a music professional. Yeah. Wow. So um, the first book comes out, 21 songs in six days. Does that precede the ukulele for all, the UFAs, you call it? Yes. Okay. So how did it, how did you, okay, so you worked together to create the book. But then how did you bring, did you self-publish? Was it carried by a publisher? How, how, what was the next step in actually bringing it to reality? We self-published 21 Songs in Six Days on Amazon. The first edition didn't, we um, didn't even have any music notation at all. It just had the lyrics and we were emailing people links to the videos. And then we built a website. Um, and then our next book was, wasn't it the Christmas book or was it? Yeah, but I think we made 21 songs have sheet music. Oh, yeah, then we put some music notes into 21 songs. We improved the website. Then we made the Christmas book. And then we decided we wanted to try to make a book that was really for classroom music. So we published um, 21 songs in six days classroom edition on Amazon. And we were trying to, uh, you know, reach classroom teachers with that book. And it was not, it was not easy. Classroom teachers are not shopping for their methods on Amazon. Right. <laughs> so um, Jenny wrote a not really, well, we wrote a really nice letter to Joe's and sent him the classroom edition. And then Jenny, I think you saw someone from Joe's at a, a convention or something and talked to them. I, yes, also. actually, yeah. I, I go to the, of course, uh, Midwest Band and Orchestra every year that's held in Chicago. It's a big international yep. So, huge deal. Yes. Yeah, huge. It's the biggest one in our industry. Yeah, my high school band went three times. Now, I didn't go with them at any one of the times, but they went three times with Bud Ho Buzz Hofer over the years. I don't know if you guys ever met Buzz or not. Jenny, I, you might know Buzz. Yeah, I heard the name. But um, yeah, it's a it's huge cool. deal to be invited to play there. <laughs> oh, huge deal. So, anyway, I go there because I'm an orchestra director in Chicago, and so I get professional growth days and I go. And so I went to the Joe's booth because I had really enjoyed authors that I had read his materials and I talked to him about my ukulele materials and I gave him a copy of the ukulele materials and then he passed them on. Who was that who passed it on? I missed the name. I'm I'm drawing a it right now. Okay. <laughs> a long story short is uh, my college band director was Bruce Pearson who oh, wrote yeah, of course. the standard of excellence yes, and yes. Bruce is Traditions awesome. of Excellence and, and that's a Chose publication. 
Um, right. And oh, he's yeah. only sold millions of those <laughs> of those books. You oh, know, standard of excellence all over the place. Yeah, yes. uh, all the schools I've ever worked at have standard of excellence. And Bruce crazy. is really awesome. He's really awesome. Yeah, he's like over eighty, and he looks like he's sixty. I know. <laughs> you know, energy. It's okay. it's something else. But now, so anyhow, I as a disclaimer. Um, if you're wondering why are the 21 songs authors on the podcast, no, they didn't pay to be here um, <laughs> or anything like that. We're just visiting. But I do have to disclose that the, you guys did have uh, Cho send me the teacher book and the individual student book of Ukulele for All. Now, uh, the first question I have for you, is this volume one with a volume two on the way? or sure. are it's just, we, I, we haven't decided yet if we're going to do a volume two. Okay. But that would be something down the road that could be considered. Okay, so what's it like putting together something like this? I mean, it's different than self-publication where you're in control of every nitty-gritty. Somebody there is, like, taking your materials, I think, and then sprucing them up, I'm going to guess, because that's what they do kind of deal. What What's that process like? It's lengthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first word that springs to mind. We work directly with our editor, Chuck. Um, Elledge, and he would take our material and then he, I, I'm pretty sure he does all of the graphic layout as well as the music typesetting. And then he would also send us a first draft with all the text. And then we would get back to him with comments and we went back, I, I think it was at least eight or nine months. Yeah, I think it was close to the length of a school year that we spent. Yeah, that we went back and, you know, where he would send us something and then we would add, you know, add comments or rewrite or this and that. So it was a real collaborative effort. It was almost like writing a brand new book, pretty much. I thought we would just sign the contract and then they would send us a beautiful book in two months and that would be that. But it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> it was a lot of time. But, so, it, you know, I think it, it it really added a lot to the book. So Did well, both of you have to proof? Oh, sorry, Jenny. Did both of you have to proof everything before it, it got? Yes. Okay. So like both authors had to say good and then you go to the next step. Sorry, Jenny. so I interrupted you, Jenny. What were you about to say? I was going to say, it's really interesting because that's probably the hardest thing when you self-publish. Well, no, I don't know what the hardest thing is. But a hard thing about self-publishing is the proofing. And proofing text seems to be easier than proofing music. And errors can crop into music that no one sees. And what was interesting to me in your play for all is then I started using it when I was teaching. And I... There, there. I am sure there were at least six or seven professional musicians who had looked over it with a fine-tooth comb, and it was some ten-year-old who found <laughs> a tiny error on one page. And so then I emailed Chuck, and they fixed the error. But I mean, even with all these people on it, it's like those of us who it just goes right past us. I mean, somebody had just put the dots in slightly different place on one of the G7 chords, and said oh i guess we play it differently when we get to such and such chapter i'm like no <laughs> and, and i look oh my god and none of us had seen that error and when i emailed them they just fixed it right away but apparently this is coming within the industry that it's music's pretty hard proofread and we spent we went over with a fine-tooth comb and they did our editor did we all did i just but i love the process because there was so much back and forth and there was a lot of effort to make sure that everything was truly in the public domain, that the translations were were accurate of the songs when we were doing foreign language, that we were um, trying to cover all kinds of different cultural styles and different backgrounds, that there were different strumming patterns. The videos that go with UFA 
through the uh, the the practice thing that you have. Uh, there's no person's head. It's totally focused, and it's a split screen. It's totally focused on what the hands are doing, and that will make it that the videos don't date. Where you know, if you have a person doing a video in 2019, they're you know 20 years from now, we're gonna it's gonna look very dated. And so there was just a lot of a lot of really interesting things that you learn that we learned about the musical industry and uh, and working with these people who are so passionate about putting out really high quality materials. I mean, Bruce was not involved in this process, but you know, he's a very passionate, and a lot of the Joseph educators are all like this, are very passionate about what they do. They're very high quality, they're bright people. They really, really want to get these materials into the hands of teachers in the hands of students so that students can learn. And they, they want to create the best product that they possibly can. Yeah, I mean, Chuck, Chuck was working with us for eight or nine months. He contributed a lot of new ideas. We added a lot of songs in UFA that weren't in other books. Um, uh, so he had a lot of stuff to say, we should do it this way, we should do it that way. And, you know, so it, it, it really, there's a lot, was a lot of contribution for, on his side too. So I think it's a much better book as a result. Besides just looking nice on the page with all the two color print and the nice graphic layout and all that kind of stuff. Do you, um, do you know what, do they print like a massive number at one time or do they do small batches so that there are errors they can go back and reprint? Do you, do you know? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I just, I was curious about that. Also, like, I know Jenny, I know you're a string teacher, so you use a string method book. Right. And I, I won't ask you if you use Chose's string method book. But do you find similarities between the book that you've put together for ukulele and, for example, like a, a string method book? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, and I find the similarities with the publisher, too, in a sense. Because, I mean, many, many people in strings use essential elements. Pretty much in band, you're going to use essential elements or you're going to use standard of excellence. And in orchestra... There's, a, there's several others. And the other thing that's so interesting is when kids book I, I used in 1960, whatever, you know, 68, they're still using that book. And so there's something. Is that the Rubank or whatever it is? Applebaum. Applebaum. And in band and orchestra, band, band was always that Rubank method, right? The yeah, yeah. On the no, yeah. And tuba. I'm a tuba player. So. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Now, but, here's, but, here's, oh, oh, sorry, Jenny, go ahead. So what, what I found that was interesting a little bit was the essential elements. A lot of people use it, but I found that it advances pretty quickly, at least in strings, and that two years later, you might say to somebody, but we went over key signatures, and you know you went over key signatures because it was on page eight of essential elements because you see it every <laughs> single day, and then suddenly to, you're saying, but we went over that, but but partly because there wasn't a, a ton of repetition of easy material, the kids don't always get it. And I and I found that when I was looking at it for Lily, it's a very fine book, but where I think that um, some of the publishers they try to move more slowly and have more repetition. So it kind of depends what fits what the teacher wants to do, and I kind of find that for my kiddos that it's good to get new material but not have it be harder necessarily so that they can really master some of the concepts while they're still learning how to read. The question I have for um, with you for this book is a question about how to use it. And um, what I'm don't what I don't understand, you guys can help me clarify this, is 
is the goal per unit to add the chord or is the goal per unit to play the tab melody? And that's what I can't tell, or is it to do both? And, and that, I guess that's what I, if, does that make, does that question make sense? Totally. Okay. So can you, can you address that? Cause I mean, anybody looking at the book would probably want to know that too. Okay. Um, it depends on the age level of the students and okay. the skill level of the students. So I would say that the goal would be for, if you're doing elementary, would be to uh, strum and sing and ignore the tap. And then if you have students in your class that, as we all do, who are more advanced, who have more background, then you're going to be staying on the simpler material, you're going to be staying on the C major, A minor songs, but then you have some whiz who's played piano for five years and is really bored and is starting to get um, a little bit mouthy about it, then you give that student the opportunity to work with the tap. So the idea being that you sing and strum, all of the videos are such that each song is presented with a sing and strum and then presented with playing the melody. So it would be up to the teacher that decision. But the book was written with the idea of differentiation and that was because I was using this material at the middle school level and I was using it with students who had not played any instrument whatsoever since they done recorder in third grade. And then I had a bunch of band and orchestra kids in the same class and I needed to come up and find material that could that the teacher could make the decision for the differentiation. Well, that's perfect. Cause I, I you know, I was looking at it and I, I don't know how well you guys have your own book memorized. I know I don't <laughs> like the books that I've written. I have no idea what page things are on, but on the very first, you know, page five, it shows how to read tab and how to play melody. And then it jumps immediately into, are you sleeping? And I was like, boy, that's a really quick jump because we wouldn't do that on violin. We wouldn't go to multiple strings quite yet. No. And then it immediately the next page is, was, are you sleeping with, with playing different notes on different strings? And I was like, wow, that's really quick. But if, I'm, I'm starting to understand that the main goal is the chord and mm -hmm. then the differentiation for your more advanced student would be, okay, you're supposed to show off. Here's <laughs> the next thing you can do, right. you know, kind of, you know. so I was just, I, that's the one thing about the book that I didn't understand just from going through it. And I don't yeah. know if it says that anywhere in the book either. It might say, it would probably say that in the teacher edition. Okay. And, and by the way, I'll point that out too. It comes while well, you buy a teacher edition, but it has a teacher edition available which shows each page and then gives you all sorts of different um, information, including tying everything back to what would be kind of the national standards of music, Correct. which of course, you know, you get some schools where that's a really big hot issue that everything has to tie back to one of the standards. Right. Um, and then you get other schools where nobody even walks into your room as a music teacher and never even, if, if they know that you're in the building, it's, it's, it's a miracle, you know, kind of deal. So, so yeah, so that, that is available too. And again, going to Bruce Pearson's example, I know that like with standard of excellence and tradition of excellence, I think standards is the current one. No, tradition is a new one, isn't it? I'm not sure. I, I can't remember. One of the, it's something of excellence. It's been around a long time. But you get all these, you know, detailed, full colored images, and then all sorts of notes for each lesson to help you along the way if you can't come up with that yourself as a teacher, right. you know, so you're not forced to buy the, the teacher edition, but if you're a person that's lost and terrified of what, how you're going to teach this very scary four string instrument, you know, it'll eat you alive. Um, if, if that's you, this is available to help them along the way. And, and I think that's really good. 
And one of the things we wanted to do was make sure that the student pages were visible when you were teaching from it because the teacher's edition that's really, really, really long and it doesn't really say what pages students are on. It, I find it confuse those to be confusing when I'm teaching. I, if I'm going to use a teacher's edition, I want to I want to see what the students see. And put in another way, um, you have the same size book as they do, so it's not like you're Moses walking around with the Ten Commandments, <laughs> you know, in order to teach. But but then you also have the ability not only to see your own notes, but to see the actual page that the student is playing. Correct. In, was, in your group, that was something that I that was important that was important to both Rebecca and I and Joseph with that. So, how has response been to ukulele for all so far? It's been pretty good. I mean, it's hard for us to know exactly because uh, we're not privy to that with our self-published stuff. Of course, we follow all that, but you know, I'm we're not privy to that kind of information. But we have gotten royalty checks, not huge ones, but we have gotten royalty checks. So it appears to be doing pretty well. When I was at Midwest Band and Orchestra Conference, they had a whole big, uh, I don't even know what you call it, where you set the books out. And when I got there, there were a lot of books. And by the time I left, they were mostly gone. So that was <laughs> <laughs> Is Have you gone anywhere with Chose to uh, present I with have, them? I haven't yet. I've been to ILMEA. Yep. And that was before it came out. And I've done a few workshops in the Chicago area. I know that Chose is working on getting me some workshops to do at some of the MEAs, possibly in the next year or so you know like some like ohio ones in the midwest mainly but i haven't yet gone helping to go hopefully in the next school year so it's i mean so if anybody's teaching ukulele and um you're interested definitely check out the series and i think what it, it covers about the first five chords if you're just learning chords right is that about right yeah maybe six chords five okay the, not the g chord is the g chord not in there yet no it's yeah. just G seven, not G. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a goofy I'm a goofball. I, I like introducing G as my third chord to oh. middle school. To oh. middle school. Yeah. Um, because there's there's like I don't know, with middle school kids there's like this attitude of you have C and F and they can nail it, and then right. they start to act like they're too big for their britches. Yeah. Like this instrument is too easy. Um, you know, this is a waste of my time because I can do everything already. And then you say, okay, okay, hotshot, here's G. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's see how you do with that now. Okay, and let's walk you through what you have to do. But when they suddenly have to change to that normal, you know, upside down V position and move their fingers the whole way, and suddenly it's not super easy anymore, then they kind of go, oh, okay. And it's a reset point. And I actually call that, I don't know if you guys have those in your teaching, but it's it's one of those like declarative moments for me. If that's where a kid will then decide, am I going to do this or am I going to not do this? Because, oh, suddenly this is now again, the G chord in my own studies is about the second most used chord that that's in all the songs. So it's, it's used all the time and that's not even counting G seven. So um, it's, it's just that watershed moment of, are you going to learn this or not? You know, and it's kind of like I read an article about guitar a couple of years ago where they said that the F chord on guitar was where most guitar players quit. And you think mm -hmm. about that and F is used in so many songs too, yeah. you know, to think that that's where people hang it up. So the G chord isn't the B flat, right? You know, so it's not like you're going all that way, but it's enough of a change and it's hard enough that 
okay, now's where you have to. So I, I understand for elementary that teachers want to avoid that, and I get that. And I'll actually I will be an elementary teacher in the fall, so I'll understand <laughs> that really, really well. But for middle school, it just seemed to be like a good wake up moment. So ukulele for all covers the first five chords, which would include if I strip to the back here. C, A minor, F, C7, and G7. And right. then for your hot shots, if they're interested, they can learn how to play the melody via reading tab with traditional note on top. And I love that you did that too, by the way. Thank mm. you. Um, I cannot handle tab that doesn't have traditional notation on top of it. Being just I, I don't know why, but I just can't. I know that's how a lot of guitar players are reading their music are these just like lines of dashes and numbers. And it's like, how do you even know the rhythmic? The rhythm, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what you're looking at. Exactly. Well, you know, so, um, so yeah. Anything else you guys want to say about ukulele for all? It's, it's yeah. really cool. I guess I want to say, you know, they completely redid all the videos with a professional singer. And I mean, it's very nice. The whole suite of software that comes with it. It's called interactive practice studio. And, uh, it's quite professionally done. We were we were very impressed with the quality. So and it's like you download it, Jenny. You can say more about this, right? You download it to your computer, and you can like make it do stuff on the whiteboard or something like that. The smart yeah, board. And if you have students, a lot of teachers now have students with interactive iPads or one to one. What's super awesome, and this is what some of the reviewers have written too, is that kids have gotten the IPS on an iPad, and they've got a ukulele at home and then they go ahead and practice some of the harder material in the book and then it really works great for like if you're doing a show and you're doing Ari wrong and you have a group of maybe eight kids that can play the melody and everybody else sings the strums then you can have a verse that's instrumental where the where the melody kids step forward and play it and some kids have just gotten super super excited about working with their ipad and their headphones and so it was also designed with that in mind because so many schools are going to the one to one. Do you know yep. if it works on Chromebook, by the way? Just yes, I think it does. Okay, I just I just don't know if it does or not. So Rebecca, you were about to say something, I think. I was just we also stuck in some stuff about improvisation, which I think is pretty pretty cool. We've got some blues blues improv and uh, I think some improv with a major scale, as well, and. Um, that was kind of neat to be able to include that. And the, in the video and audio tracks, there's an opportunity for the student to improvise over the um, recorded track as well. Yeah, and the, and it, I've used it when I've taught, um, when the Saints go marching in, there you, there's a portion where you can improvise over the blue scale and another one where you can improvise over the major scale. And the track that plays with you is, is really, um, I've never had anybody who's been like, oh no, I can't do this. People, they're like automatically they're into it and they love it and they're like wow that sounds so good and so it's pretty cool to be able to present some of those things that many students wouldn't get to otherwise i mean how many students get good enough to be in their school jazz band right but they can do it on ukulele in their general music class right yeah. you know kind and, of deal that's pretty cool oh go ahead elementary kids can do it i successfully taught blues to fourth and fifth grade when we did ukulele for most of the year, by the end of the year, they were able to do that. Now, did they, the question about your application, Jenny, was that in place of general music or was it general music? Uh, how was that working? With, which which application? Well, when you're teaching ukulele in fourth and fifth grade? That was general music, yes. Okay, and do they still do things like recorder and things as well? Yes, we did recorder in third. We did ukulele in fourth, and in fourth, the way I did it is it was sing and strum. 
Okay. And then, and then my school had a lot of, um, we have a lot of move-ins and move-outs. We're just a high mobility district. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the reasons I did ukulele for all the way I did, because then we would go back and do material that we had done previously, but it would be different songs. So instead of doing Are You Sleeping, we would do um, Row, Row, Row Your Boat or whatever, but still a song that was one chord. So they didn't feel like they were repeating a song, but what they were repeating was a skill. And so that way the kids that came in that were new could immediately play because it's not very hard to show somebody how to do all downs on a C chord. But then the rest of the kids were like, okay, this, we can do this. And then I would teach those kids to play the melody. And the kids who had moved in and didn't even know what hand to hold them, and they, would, they still could participate because they could learn it fairly quickly. And so that was the reason for pedagogy the way it was. Have you heard from any teachers that are using it? Yeah, I have. A colleague of mine is a high school teacher and she uses this. She teaches, I think, some of the special needs kids in high school, and they've loved ukulele for all. And I've also, several teachers that are in districts surrounding me are purchasing the book and using it in their general music classrooms, and they're really enjoying it. Because that's, I always kind of get curious, like, how often you hear from, from people, like, you know, when you make resources. Like, I know, for example, when you get open up comments on YouTube, mm. you know, <laughs> what, what you can get and what you cannot get at times. Um, we could talk about that too, but um, it's always curious, like if you print something like this and do people write Chos and does Chos send emails to you or do people just find you directly and email you somehow? I mean, do you- It's done both ways. I mean, people who know me email me. And okay. then I've also, you know, I snoop around on the web a bit. So I've gone <laughs> to JW Pepper, you know, places that carry our book. and. I've found reviews, and so far for Ukulele for All, every review I've found has been a five-star review. And then what I do is I make a screenshot of it and I send it on to Charles. <laughs> and we, um, you know, people find us on our website, and we have an email list, and for our self-published stuff, so we hear a lot from those people. You know, they were they we encourage them to dialogue with us, so we get a lot of we get a lot of conversations going with our readers. And some of our self-published people have bought Ukulele for All. Yeah. Yeah. And they really have liked it too. And so one of them was having trouble with downloading the IPS on their computer. And she called Joseph and spoke directly to Mark and he got it all set up for her. I didn't know that. You <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> um, talking about your website, um, it, somehow you tripped on genius when you found your name because it's ukulele eo right yeah or do you say io i'm not sure which one you do and i'm not sure if you're aware of this but all of the really popular gaming like online games right now are dot io so oh, like oh, at our awesome. school we blocked all the games that kids could download on their ipads because we were a one-to-one -one ipad middle school but we couldn't ban safari because teachers needed it well of course kids go out and find places of where to play games then instead of participating in class <laughs> and that's a whole nother discussion for another time and you have techie people like myself that are aware that it's going on and try to help steer kids and then there are other teachers who have no clue that it's going on and they're just ignorant you know ignorance is probably not the right word but they're just ignorant of the situation and they just teach while the kids are just gaming the entire hour so like websites like um uh there's a zoms royale that EO in there, there's a, you know, um, yo ho ho EO, like pirate shooter games. So whenever the kids see like EO, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the website flat.io. Mm -hmm. 
it's an online um, music notation program that works with Google. Side note, if you want to check it out. Oh, wow. um, there's free and paid versions of it, but flat.io, um, what if I talked with kids about going to flat.io, you'd be like, well, this isn't a game, <laughs> you know, because they're used to IO. But at that age of like 10 through 18, because you have ukulele.io, um, you have a poll that you would have never, ever have guessed that occurred with that. So if I don't know if you've ever seen um, lick uh, or hits shoot up to your website at some point, but it's probably because kids are trying to find a ukulele-based game. Oh. And if you ever, if you ever want to uh, really like spike your your channel, you could have somebody develop a really like easy like one of those. You remember those Google games on the Google like search that pop up like if you press the Google, it'll bring up a little game. If you ever had somebody design a little insert game for you that you could drop on ukulele.io, man, you'd have people on your website all the time. Just so you know. <laughs> um, kind of deal so my question is i think jenny you said you guys are working on redeve redesigning your website again or yeah, reworking we're, it we're we're get, installing a new wordpress theme okay you know what you might know about that yeah it's a new back end basically so that we can have a better service for people and more flexibility easier to develop new pages and stuff yeah. yeah i haven't spent a lot of time on your website that's the one thing that i didn't do before coming on this this video do you want to talk about your website at all and what it offers Sure. We, we if you bought when you buy the self-published books, you the reader can create an account on the website, and then that's where they can go to access all the videos that go with each of the songs. And so each book has between I think it's one book has only five songs, but the books that have the full twenty-one songs, it's around a hundred minutes of video. There's a lesson for every song in the book, and sometimes there's a couple lessons or lessons about how to play this chord or that chord or whatever. So there's a very robust members area that we spend a lot of time and energy setting up. Um, and then we have a blog that we're currently reviewing and sprucing up, and we're going to be writing a lot of new blog content. Um, what else about our website? Kind of serves those two functions, really. One is to help deliver content to people that bought the book, and then the other function is to help people find out about us, you know, and what we're doing. So, How did the Bondi giveaway go? I, I, I never heard how they, that all turned out. Um, if people don't know, when you guys released your 21 folk songs, um, you had a giveaway with a Bondi ukulele. Mm -hmm. And Bondi is a company, are they from Australia? Australia, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it's it's named after Bondi Beach, but the ukuleles are not made there. They're made in China, and they're, they're shipped over to Australia. And they had a pretty active social media presence about a year to a year and a half ago. A couple of the the big names of ukulele places on YouTube were, were all doing reviews of the Bondi ukuleles. And people overall thought they were pretty good. Um, and they also did some stuff. Bondi, I believe, sponsored back some education initiatives, like I think in Indonesia, yeah. where if you bought a ukulele, you were basically also providing... I don't know, however, resources to teach ukulele in an in a third world country, quite yeah. honestly. And then there were some other things that they were doing. So how did you guys get hooked up with Bondi and how did the giveaway go? That that's my next question for you. Um, they reached out to us, I think because we have the YouTube channel, and they wanted to know if um, Jenny would do an unbox if we would do an unboxing review. So that's kind of what you're saying, like reaching out to the influencers and so so that's how that happened. And then we were about to do our launch and 
we had in the past done this thing where we gave away a ukulele when we did the book launch and ran a sweepstakes to just to, you know, raise people's excitement about the launch. So we decided to ask Bondi if they would um, donate a ukulele to us that we could then uh, do a sweepstakes. So they were like, sure. So, yeah. So <laughs> people seemed excited about it. I mean, right before the launch, we got a whole bunch of people commenting, I can't wait to get the Bondi. You know, everyone was really excited. So that was fun. And we did it with a, um, a plug-in on our WordPress Word, uh, website where people, they entered through the website and um, once they bought the book and they were entered to, to win the ukulele. Hey, you guys never sent like a picture, like an announcement. I didn't see of of who won it, so I was kind of curious how that all wrapped up or anything oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, we should have probably done that. Yeah, yeah, I think we did that in the past when we we gave away a kala uke. We did do that. We got a picture of the guy with his uke, and he was really happy. He has a nice smile. <laughs> <laughs> do you um do you then have to go back? Like for example, I I buy my books on like Kindle, for example, or iBooks, because I've got an iPad and it's yeah. not available as a PDF, which is what I love the most with like Fourscore or whatever, but PDFs are hard to manage because there's no way to keep people from just sharing them freely, you know, illegally. But um, when you go back, do you have to then go and upload a new version without the paragraph about the giveaway, or do you just leave that in there saying that was historically what happened, we're good with that? Uh, uh, no, we upload a new version. Yeah. Okay. And that's really easy to do with Kindle. You just upload a PDF or, or for the self-published, for the paper book, you upload a PDF. And for Kindle, you upload a, it's called a .mobi. And you know, it's like uploading any file. You just upload it and then you click publish and you have to proof it, but it's it's not a complicated process. It doesn't take very long, so. Done it many times. Because <laughs> as Jenny said, music is hard to proofread. So there's, there's a lot of <laughs> uploading going on. Well, see, that's one of the things that always gets me upset is the publishers have a, the general publishers, and that includes Chose, they have a very negative attitude towards particularly like PDF or, or moving to a platform that like for if you're a one-to-one -one iPad where you can get away with getting the paper away and using digital for mm. so many different reasons because there's that control issue. But then we'll print a score that has an error and we won't reprint it. We'll just keep printing the same version that has that B flat in the wrong spot for eternity and they won't make it right. So it's just like there's there's this catch-22 of, I understand you're against that. And by the way, my little secret plan is there needs to be, I don't know if you guys have like Spotify or Apple Music. I don't know if you have that yourselves. Uh, I um, don't have it. I'm not using it yet, but I probably will be because iTunes is dying. So yeah, yeah it just, uh, well, it's not. It's it's a long story. It, iTunes is still gonna the the Apple Music will still handle all your private stuff, so you don't have to worry oh. about it. Um, but yeah, I'm the geek, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> but but um, what I'm talking about is more like if the Apple Music of the world, where you pay as a family, we pay fifteen dollars a month, which is what we'd spend on a DVD or a a CD easily, right? Today, we easily, we'd spend yeah. that because all of us listen to different things in our family. But we have access to just about everything that's published. Not everything, but just about everything. And my goal is that in music, we'd have the same thing where you'd pay X amount of dollars per year per student, and then you could use whatever music you wanted to for the rest of your life. Oh, well, that would be really, really great because the whole copyright system is just... It's scary. It's, it's, it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. And and then every time something was listened to or played or used by a school, money would 
trickle back to the publisher and the author. You know, I mean, that's the logic, which is what happens with Apple Music. So that's that's my dream world. That's my dream world. And uh, it's just we're not there yet, but it's coming. Yeah, it's it will coming. be coming. So um, some questions about self-publishing in your books, too. I, I wanted to ask you about the books. Most recent book was Folk Songs that was released in, what, February? February. Right? Mm -hmm. And I know I bought that one right away. Um, one of the things that I really loved about that book, um, and I'm not saying compared to the other books, but I have not seen the more songs book. I don't own that one. So I own Christmas. I own the original. I own folk songs. And I think there's, other than the Moors, there's one other one. Do you remember yeah, which? It's got five songs in it. It's called oh. Easy, Easy Ukulele Songs, Five with Five Chords. Yeah. Okay. So that one I don't have either. So I don't, I'm missing those two. But what I really love about folk songs is that you guys added a couple chord melody songs in there. Yes. Um, and if, if people are listening and don't know what chord melody is, the idea of chord melody is you're playing the melody, but where it's appropriate, you play a chord at the same time to make a song sound... Complete. more like a song yeah yeah and it's to me it's the best way to get into ukulele as a solo instrument versus the painful just playing the melody by yourself all the time which is boring and kind of bare so i love that you guys did that so my question is as you are adding other 21 books are you guys open to adding some more chord melody in those next books yes <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm sure that's what the answer was going to be, but I just, you know, and I know you guys have some plans. Do you, do you want to talk about your plans for the 21 series at all? Well, right now, there's kind of two things that we're work, I'm working on right now. One, because our Christmas book has been so popular, one of the things that I am working on, we haven't decided yet exactly how we're going to release it, would be 21 Christmas chord melodies. So oh, that's nice. Take the songs that are in the Christmas book and add chord melody to them. And one of the things about my chord melody is, I mean, obviously, Jake Schumann's chord melody, and it's phenomenal. And my chord melody is way easier than that. <laughs> and we're never going to, I'm not going to be at that level, but I've seen chord melody, other people write it, but I've never seen anybody quite as simply as I write it. And that's one of the things that I'm working on is the 21 chord melody. And then because we got in comments that's one of the things that we're working very much is responding to comments from customers and you reviewed our folks song book but we also got this in the amazon reviews is people love the chord melody and so our new that we haven't yet decided when it's going to come out but it's going to be 21 easy ukulele hymns has a lot of chord melody in it and after i got we got these comments i went and added chord melody not to every song but to some of the to songs where I didn't have to do a lot of bar chords. Let's put it that way. Yep. Not that I can't do bar chords, but where I didn't have to move my hand up the neck and do uh, do a lot of this kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Well, if I could do it down here, and then every now and then, maybe I had to do one in the shape of an F up here, to, and that, and there was one in the song that was hard. I would keep it. But as long as I could do it down in what I would call with other string instruments, first position for the most part. And those, then I want to keep the chord melodies that simple because I want them to be accessible. I know that in my own playing, it took me many years before I could really play bar chord clearly. And yeah, we should all work on bar chords. And everybody needs to, if they're going to be a, a decent player, they'll need to do it. But, you know, that's not who I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to reach people who just want to, you know, play a song that sounds like a song when they're not a singer and where it sounds really beautiful. 
Yeah, and they have the pleasure of being able to sound really good, even if you haven't played that long. Because that's really what we're trying to bring to people is that the sense that, you know, you can just start with this instrument and it could be enjoyable. It doesn't have to be torturous. It doesn't have to be frustrating. You can sound good. You can have fun and still make progress. You know, that's basically our our, our mission statement, so to speak, that we, we want to help people, you know, learn and have it be enjoyable rather than frustrating or feeling like there's a whole bunch of hurdles in the road and they don't know what to do next, that kind of thing. I mean, certainly in piano teaching, I have seen that for years. A lot of books will just get too hard way, way, way too fast. Or they'll be going along and there'll be 16 measures that are playable and measure 17 is a disaster. You know, <laughs> no first year student could ever play that measure. But there it is right in the middle of the method book. And the student thinks that they're, it's their fault, that they're not a good student. But as the teacher, you know that the, the material is not leveled appropriately. So that's that's really what we strive to do with our stuff is really make it accessible for people so that it, they can enjoy the process of learning. You know, I think that's where I got sucked into ukulele heart and soul was when the first time I went to a ukulele jam locally where it was filled with retired people right? Um, because they meet during the middle of the day where nobody that has a job can attend, <laughs> and these things, right? But um, at one of the local music stores, there's a group of people that are generally retired, and they were coming together and playing songs that they loved out of the Yellow Book, the, uh, the Yellow Daily Book. 365 by, we call it the Yellow Book, and just playing songs and calling songs that they liked. And a lot of these people hadn't done music since they were in middle school. They were just like, no, not music's not for me. And here they are in their 60s and 70s and 80s in a group playing and singing music. And I'm thinking, these aren't people that are joining a, joining a community band. They're not joining the local church choir or community choir. They're not going to do that. But here in, in music education, we keep talking about music education. You know, they're willing to play this thing and get together and sing and make music. And it's like, that's our entire life goal. That's what we wanted from them, right. and, you know, for all of them. Yet all these kids that we teach traditionally, how many of them, you know, I hate to put it that way, but never play piano again or never play violin again or never sing a note again in a choir. And yet they're willing to go and buy one of these things because it doesn't threaten them, you know, um, the scary ukulele. So I, I just, I think it's so great. And that's what I love about the 21 songs book is you guys are trying to really approach it, you know, in a non-scary fashion. And again, I think you write the tab in there just that people want to try to play it, right? I mean, that's the, the right. mindset in it. You know, so then you add the chord melody, which is for those people that want the extra challenge. And by the way, the, that whole Jake Shimakuro thing, watching any of those players, whether it's Tamayane or Tamayane, have you guys seen Tamayane Gardner? I think I have, yeah. If if you haven't checked her out, you need to check her out. She she's um she's uh, one of those like almost flamenco players, right? Okay. Um, but she dances all the time while she plays. So it's she's got this whole like art thing going on as she performs. But then Jake Shimabukuro and uh, people like Kalei Gamayo and I mean all these players that you watch and you go, oh my gosh, I'll never be that good. And then you have to step back and say, you know what? I'm not that good in anything. You know, I mean, realistically, those people are like the one percenters of the world. How many of us are one percent in anything in our lives? Okay. And why do we let that stop us? It doesn't stop us from breathing. You know, I'm not the best breather in the world. Okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to stop breathing. So it's just, you know, it's just 
Jake Shimabakuru, just like Tamani, those guys are playing since they were four and five years old. They better be good if that's all that they do. And Jake's approaching 40 and Tamani is 30-something. If that's all you do and that's all you've ever done, you better darn well be good at it. You know. Meanwhile, if you're picking this up for the first time, just enjoy some folk songs and just, you know, enjoy what you're doing and have fun with it. So I don't know. I think it's really cool what you're doing. Now, um, videos, Jenny, I know that you're the, the main video presence on the 21 songs channel. Do you want to talk about the videos that you make? Cause you, you do a lot of video work. Yes, I do. We've been for the past year, we've been putting out a video each week and I try to get some input from our fans as far as what videos they would like. Also pick songs that I like. Some of, I'm kind of doing a mix of public domain material and material where I'm covering other artists. And um, basically what I am trying to do when I take, do the more popular, I wouldn't say they're that popular. My most recent one was Hotel California. That's a pretty old song, but it was popular when I was growing up. And it's a very cool song. Uh, one of the, one of, you know, I think the Eagles originally do it in B minor, so I transpose it A minor. I think a lot of people in ukulele play along transpose it. So I try to find a ukulele-friendly key, try to find uh, ukulele-friendly chords, and then I start each video with a lesson that explains whatever the chords are, the strumming pattern. And then we have uh, some freelancers that help us with the framing, and so they put the lyrics underneath with the chord names. And then on the sidebar, you have the chord. That way you know what chord is coming up, but you can also see when it changes. And when I do melody tap, because I'll sometimes do that at the end of the song, our freelancers will circle the note as I'm playing it, and they'll indicate where it is on the ukulele fretboard. And people been uh, people comment on the YouTube videos that they like them because they seem to be among the easier versions of the songs that are around on YouTube. I mean, there's lots of really fine ukulele teachers, but a lot of times their stuff is not quite as accessible as ours. So again, we're trying to fill that niche of, of accessibility and of having fun. So you're where you, you're recording from where you normally record your videos, right? I mean, that's the room that you normally record in? Yeah, I, it's, I have a room in the back of my house, which I have, was my music room. So that's where I am. Now, um, what do you use to record? What What's your setup typically? I have a, um, no, see, it's a Blue Yeti microphone. Okay. And then I have now figured out how to use an iPad with a teleprompter. So I don't, I memorize the chords, but I still need help to remember all the lyrics. <laughs> so that way I can, I can read the lyrics as I'm playing. And then I, so I record on the iPad, I plug the microphone into the iPad. Then I transfer all that to the computer. And I um, do the initial editing and I movie, and then I send it off to one of our um, people that we hire. And that person puts all the, um, framing around the videos so that the lyrics are there and the chord changes are there. Okay. So I was wondering if you did that stuff yourself, because that's, you know, that's what I do with our playlongs and stuff. I know you do, I do <laughs> Yeah, that's that's all the stuff that I do. I have fun with it, but, you know, it takes forever to do, too. So it, Yes. No, I send that off. I do the, I do the singing and the playing. Now, um, side note with YouTube, are, when you're doing the songs like – Oh, let's say Hotel California. Do you find that the copyright owners find out that you did that song and send you the message that your content is not monetizable or anything? Do you ever get like those notices or anything? We do. And I think sometimes we share the monetization with the copyright holder if it's in if it's not public domain. But we still get some. But they send them to me, but I just kind of ignore them. 
uh, <laughs> our, I mean, in terms of our actual revenue from our business, the YouTube ad revenue is minuscule. I mean, it's very, very small amount of money. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like coffee money for uh, you know a couple months at best. It's it's really small. I, I would take anything at this point just to. Yeah. Get, <laughs> but with with all sincerity, now when you have like your book, like let's take the first book. Can you just not talk money, but can you talk about how many copies of that first book have sold? The the first twenty one books. Wow, uh, I don't know. We I know we've sold. We're approaching seventy thousand total for all the titles, but I okay. don't know off the top of my head how much is twenty one songs. It I would say maybe forty to fifty percent of that would be twenty one songs, and the, another big, large, gigantic percentage of that would be the Christmas Christmas one. one. Yeah, so I would imagine sell a lot more than the other. Uh, books that we have. So. Did the folk song book do as well as you expected, or or not? I guess is uh, you know the launch was pretty successful. Now it's starting to taper off, which I guess is apparently normal for um, for new books. When we when we were thinking about doing the folk song book, I was sort of looking around on Amazon. There's various uh, software you can get that'll estimate how many copies uh, of a title are sold based on its ranking on Amazon. And it, it, you know, the whole niche of ukulele folk songs was not a gigantic niche to start. <laughs> you know, it was like it was, the software would say there's not enough data to give you an answer and stuff like that. So I guess you know, we we of course hope that we would sell many many copies, but I'm not surprised that that we're not you know at the results. I mean, I think they're pretty good, but they're not. It's not going to uh, knock the Christmas book out of uh, its spot. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you get. Um like any, like Chose, when they knew that you guys were making that book, did they offer you at any point to take over your 21 series or do they just say, that's your deal, that's fine? Uh, they wanted to take all of our books when we did the, and I did not want to have them have all our books. I felt like um, it was better for us to be self-published. Okay, I mean, that's, that's great. Is there yeah. anything else you want to add about self-publishing or anything? If anybody else is considering self-publishing, Anything? I don't know. It doesn't have to be yeah, a really book. It's not that easy to be successful at self-publishing. It's not that hard to actually publish your book, to actually get it up on Amazon. That part is not hard. The part that's hard is getting people to find your book and getting them to buy your book. That's the part that's hard. Um, how many ukuleles do you own? I'm up to 52 at the moment. So <laughs> I have seven. And Rebecca, and you said? Seven. I have one. Yeah, and I told All Rebecca she's like the unicorn of the ukulele <laughs> world. Yeah, she is. The right number of ukuleles is always one more than you currently own. <laughs> you know, sometimes two. So, yeah, um, I I don't know. It's, it's kind of fascinating to learn about your side of the business where you you self publish and and have all that. I know Jenny, you presented. I think I missed you at that. Uh, I was presenting an iPad session at the same conference that you were presenting that ukulele session at ILMA that one oh, year. Wow. Oh, cool. And I'll be I'll be back at ILMA ILMEA doing some ukulele stuff and iPad stuff this coming year in 2020. Oh, so if you're there, I'll say hi. Oh yeah, um, of course. But have you so have you presented on 21 songs anywhere else? Um, I've done some workshops around Chicago. So I okay. did one for music and arts. They had one that they just invited some educators out for, and so I did that. And I did um, I presented at some of the universities around here for their music education students. So I've gone to Lake Forest College, Trinity College, College of Lake County, some of the places that are around here. And I, yeah. And then I think there was, 
yeah, those, those are the main ones that I've done, mainly in my area. I presented at some area music stores as well. Okay. And, and we, I mean, as you guys think about business models and stuff, Rebecca and I, the other thing we talked about in that part that I'm going to cut out was um, how you grow the business. And I was asking if, if you've tried any like Google ads, like the AdSense or Facebook ads. And Rebecca, do you want to speak to that at all? Yeah, yeah. We did try Facebook ads and it was very, they just almost impossible to make a, have them be profitable. So, so we, we tried for a couple months. We hired somebody to help us and it just that knew what he was doing, unlike me. And uh, it, just, it just, he said, you know, the margin is just, it's just not a high enough, expensive enough item that you can afford to um, pay for ads on Facebook. We do run Amazon ads and that's um, very complicated technical area to get into and to understand. And um, it's, I'm pulling my hair out around that on a regular basis. I took a big, long, complicated course and I got this fancy Excel spreadsheet that I don't really understand. And, but it seems like they're helping some. So we do those, but mostly we're trying to, like I was saying, we try, we're trying to build up our platform and have people find our website, find our YouTube videos. Maybe some people will hear us on this podcast. Just, just get ourselves out there. So people find out about us. Jenny does lives on Facebook every week. That's another way we're trying to, have people find out about us. She's um, posting on Instagram regularly to try to have new people find us and then try to get people to sign up for our email list and, uh, you know, build up a long-term relationship with them where we are, you know, being helpful to them over a long period of time. Um, by We send out the free sheet music that goes with our weekly YouTube video upload. So people get a piece of sheet music every week from us um, in exchange for their email address. And and then hopefully uh, over time, people become long-term fans. And then if we publish, when we publish our next book, they'll be wanting to own it. So that's that's our long-term marketing strategy. I think I've, I've said this before, but one of the things I'd love to see you guys offer would be, and maybe maybe it's when you've decided that you're done writing other books too. Mm-hmm. You know, because you might, you might reach that point where you're like, okay, been there, done that. <laughs> you know, I have the t-shirt, I'm good. You know, enough of that. But when you're done, it'd be great to have a book that was just the music, too. Oh, right. You know, finally, uh, uh, 21 songs, music only, you know, book, where you'd, you'd buy the book and all it would be would be the music. Because at some point, flipping through with the descriptions and everything, you don't want to do that anymore either. You know, you yeah. just wish you had the music itself. So just an idea down the road. But you have to wait till all your music is done <laughs> to get there, right? And and you're doing stuff so far that's all in the public domain, so you don't have to worry about the copyright nightmare. Yeah, you just don't have the resources to be researching who's holding the copyright and writing to the copyright owner and trying to get the what do they call that? A mechanical license. Yep. Negotiate <laughs> that for every single song. We just we don't have the energy for that. Yeah, just well, I spoke a little bit to Mark Joseph about that because Hal Leonard is the one publisher that does that. Yep. The other publishers do not. Maybe public domain in music education generally. And I mean, Alfred has some of them, but Hal Leonard is the one that has the most. And one of the things I've, I've noticed with the Hal Leonard ukulele material is that some of the books that are using the non-public domain material, they're for multi-instruments. So they'll be for banjo, mandolin, ukulele, guitar. It's like it's a whole book and it's a great book. But because of that, you're making a compromise as far as to what key you're putting in it. Because you're not going to, it's not solely for ukulele. So you're not 
teaching it to what's easiest for ukulele. You're trying to, it's like teaching band. You know, when you teach band, everybody starts in the key of B flat, but that's not going to be necessarily the easiest key to play in on the flute or the trumpet or the clarinet, but you have to find a middle ground. And the, I, from what I understand, the whole mess with the copyright thing is such that it, you have to pay so much for the licenses that you've got, you've got to make your books reach out to a broader audience. I do know, I don't know if you guys have played with NoteFlight at all. That's, say, yeah. that's another online service. And I just, in fact, was playing around with it the other day. I decided to subscribe to NoteFlight um, partially because I made an arrangement. They have this thing called the NoteFlight Marketplace now. And what people can do is they can go out and they can publish something that they've arranged. Right. And even if it's somebody else's copyright, for the most part, NoteFlight Marketplace will, because they're part of Hal Leonard, oh. they will match your song and publish it for you. People can buy it on NoteFlight Marketplace. They can print it. They can do whatever they want with it. But then you would get 10% of the sale of the, the resource and then the other 90% goes back to the publisher and the copyright holder That's legally. Awesome. It's a pretty cool deal. So what I did is I, I, I've been playing around with a different couple different chord melodies. One was, I've, I, I'm, this one I can publish and I'm going to eventually, but it's the, the Tetris theme. You know, I've been working on, on writing it out and uh, practicing. I want to get it well enough that I, when I play it, it sounds right. But um, I also made a play along for Baby Mind from Dumbo. I don't know if you guys have seen the 2019 Dumbo yet. No. But there's a scene in there where, um, like, the bearded woman at the circus is playing a ukulele, and they sing the Baby Mind song from Dumbo. And I made a play-along of it, and then I thought, oh, this would be fun as a chord melody. So yeah. I made it as a chord melody, which I do most of my chord melody work with Notion. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Notion, but I love that as a software writing program. But then I thought, you know what, maybe I'll put it on NoteFlight Marketplace, and if people want to pay for a chord melody... It'll be available. Well, I went to publish it on NoteFlight, and unfortunately, Notion didn't quite work transposing over to NoteFlight. So I had to do it from scratch, but you can write ukulele tab in Note in NoteFlight. But then when I went to publish it, it's one of those songs that note that uh, Hal Leonard won't allow to be published because it's Disney. So I went through all that work and just hit the wall. But kind of another neat idea, um, I just don't know how you can make a compilation of like songs like here's our 21 songs in the note flight marketplace because each song individually would be more than just buying the book in the first place you know that can uh, so it's just an interesting time oh, where cool. we're pushing these boundaries of what copyright is and what's legal what's not like i don't even know if it's legal to and this is why i don't get into it like to actually publish the lyrics of a song on a web page I know that there are I know there are plenty of places that show the the lyrics and the chords of what to play, but I'm not sure that's actually legal to do. I don't know. So um, when I'm making the playlongs with the YouTube playlongs, um, the the song itself is being copyrighted by YouTube and the original owners, and then they're gaining any revenue ad off of that. So we don't make any money off of any of those playlongs. Anybody making those videos. So it's it's kind of a different world. We're definitely not doing it to get rich. That's for sure. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's clear. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really fascinating. All the the different branches you guys have between running the business, publishing the books, making materials. Um, Jenny, are you the person that puts together then the weekly song that goes out? 
and, and all the resources that go with that? We still, we do that together. I okay. mean, I kind of decided I record it that I create like my little uh, song sheet with the chord symbols and things like that. I do that in uh, go chords and then uh, Rebecca proofs it and we have some freelancers that proof it so that it can go out clearly the person who's putting the, the chords underneath while I'm singing the lyrics and the chords and the chords by the side uses that material. And then that that's what goes out to people unless it's public domain song. And then I write the public domain song in finale and I create a PDF of the song that I wrote in finale and then that goes out. And okay, so you're a finale user. Okay. All right. Finale user. So some people are more interested. Some people actually like lyrics and lyrics and chords better. So I'll provide, for example, if I'm doing a public domain songs such as Wayfair and Stranger, I might provide it in both sheet music and in lyrics and chords. And some people prefer that. So that's fine, whatever they prefer. And what, what program did you say they used to make the lyrics and chords? Did you say Go oh, Chords? Yeah, it's an awesome program. You said it's on a, iPad or just regular Mac or whatever? It's a, it's a, it's a web-based program. Okay, all right. And what you do is, you it, what's really cool is, what's easy is if you know the lyrics of the song, you can just import, you can like copy them online. So if you know the lyrics and then you can dump them. And then what it does is it prints out all the lyrics for you and then you then it has like a chord um, glossary and you just put the chord shape over the lyrics and it will go right exactly where you need it to go. It doesn't, it's not like when you're doing it in Word and you have to, right. to get it exactly. And the other really cool thing is if you play E, you know, there's different ways to play the E chord or there's different ways to do the B7, you can create custom chords very, very easily. Oh, in cool. chords. So that's really cool too. I'll have to check that out. I, I generally use, I mean, obviously, if I'm doing notation, I'm using Notion on the iPad, generally, is, is the quickest way for me to do it. And then I use uh, Songsheet Pro on the iPad when oh, I'm making, yeah. like, the, the chord charts like that. It, it all works out pretty well. So. Yeah, Songsheet Pro, I don't know that one, but I've been doing Go Chords. But it's yeah, a no, I wouldn't change I wouldn't change anything you're doing, <laughs> necessarily. You know what I'm saying? There's so. a lot of different programs out there. That's one of the really cool things about being alive now is that it's just, it's just so cool what we can do. So as we kind of wrap up, because, I mean, I'm taking a lot of your guys' time this afternoon, and I'm sure, Jenny, you need to go bicycle somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> um, she's, you said you're getting ready to do your annual Iowa bike trip? Correct. So she, she's an avid biker. I, I need to bike more. I, I have a recumbent, <laughs> and I, we have lots of trails out here, but I just haven't gotten out this summer, spending all the time making videos and things like that. But um, so is there anything else you guys would like to say about the 21 songs the ukulele for all, uh, ukulele.io. Anything you want to say about in closing about what you've got? I, I, it's been a really enjoyable experience for me these years working with Jenny in particular. It's we, I think we've spent more time together since we started the business than we had in the previous 20 years before that. And, um, you know, it is. I remember something you said on one of your podcasts, Chris, um, when somebody leaves a comment, oh, somebody, you said somebody had left a comment uh, that they had learned a song from one, a video you'd posted, and then they sent you a link to them playing it based on your materials. So when we get a message from one of our fans, you know, that they, like one, this one guy in England sent us this long email that he had been, he auditioned for the local youth club and they accepted him. He's a retired <laughs> graphics design professor and that he was so thrilled he said he thought he would never ever get in 
and he learned totally with our materials and he's just having a great time. I mean, I was, it made my day, you know, to think that you can have that kind of ability to bring music into someone's life, like what you were saying, you know, and I, that's what the ukulele business is for me. We're really bringing music to people that don't have, yet have it, that they're really beginners. That's who our material's for. And it's just, it's a really a, a joyful thing to be doing, so. That's what I have to say. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, I would just say that, sort of reiterating what she said, but just the idea that our materials are there for the beginner, therefore ukulele is for everyone. I had actually a student in school who is nonverbal, and he also has some issues with uh, left-hand coordination, but he's very musical, and he could play along with the um, Joe's uh, Sing and Strum, all the various songs, and he could get the strumming patterns in the beat. And there was a day once when I had done a weird scheduling where I had my most advanced seventh graders coming in to do their Haydn string quartet, and this little boy on ukulele who couldn't put his fingers down on the <laughs> left hand at all. So I split the time so they each group played for each other. And the little boy who... Um, who who is so musical and it was really cool to see these two groups of children some who are very high functioning and some who are not as much able to uh communicate through music and to uh honor each other through music and to listen to each other and to be kind and generous in seventh grade i was thrilled but <laughs> <laughs> the key word there is seventh grade. Yeah, yeah. seventh yeah. grade, but yeah. So it's just something that's just so magical about this instrument that it it brings music, which as the three of us know, since we've all devoted our lives to being musicians, is that music touches a part of your soul and a part of your heart that is nothing else does, that is unique to the human experience. And the ukulele is the seems to be the instrument that can reach people that other instruments cannot. And when you are able to bring this love and joy to other people who have not experienced it before, it's such a gift and you feel like a vessel through which this wonderful light is flowing. And I think that's just the best part of being involved in this. Well, I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. And again, I'll be checking out the next books. I, I, look, I look forward to, I would imagine that if you're looking at doing a Christmas book, you're thinking about trying to have it ready by this Christmas time too, I'd yeah. imagine. Oh, yeah. So I'll look forward to seeing that and being a person that appreciates hymns, which is I think a, a diminishing number of people in our culture, unfortunately, <laughs> but being a person that appreciates them, I'll look forward to that book too. Um, speaking about, Jenny, you're, you're talking about, you know, having a student that was nonverbal. Um, there was a great video recently, I don't know if you guys saw it, of a kid in Canada who was autistic and he started playing the ukulele like a steel string I guitar. Saw it. Oh. And that was just an amazing video to watch of how a kid just again, there's gonna be some ukulele purists out there. We have them in ukulele too. Um, that will talk about how that kid isn't playing right and his technique is horrible and whatever. But realistically, you just step back and go, it's amazing that an instrument can can break that barrier too. And I'll, I'll see if I can remember to put the link to that video if it's even out on YouTube um, in the description below when when this gets published, which will be in the next couple days or so. Right. So, yeah, I definitely appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys and visit with you because I've seen you on you, you know, well, YouTube and other places for quite a while. 
And I think it was one of the very first books that I bought when I started playing ukulele, um, trying to figure out what to do. And, and what's really cool about the 21 Songs book is that I think it approximates what most people want to do with ukulele, which is just sing songs and play. That's what most people want to do off the start. Like even kids, they, they don't want to play the melody right off the bat. They want to sing songs and play. Right. And adults, the, the senior citizens that I see that are coming back to the ukulele, they want to sing songs and play. And that's what the 21 Songs book allows. And then the Ukulele for All series, that allows teachers then to teach the other stuff that they want to teach. <laughs> that maybe the kids don't want to do, but it opens that door to them. So that's kind of cool to see too. Well, thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, it's been an incredible pleasure, and this will be up soon. Just as a reminder, anybody, um, check out, um, if you haven't found a podcast uh, service that you like the best, check out Radio Public, just as a side note, for all of your podcasts, not just this one. Radio Podcast actually um, has a deal where they send income back to podcast providers. So mm. I, I've signed up for it, but I, I'm not anywhere near on their their list yet of, of generating revenue. But for any podcast you listen to, this, this podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and I can't remember what else. It's out there. So um, to the Ukulele Sisters, to Jenny and Rebecca, I appreciate your time so very much. Um, and people can find you. Um, let's see if we can list it all. They can find you on YouTube under 21 song, Ukulele Songs, mm -hmm. right? Um, they can find you at ukulele.io. Mm -hmm. They can find the books at Amazon.com, probably mm -hmm. under 21 ukulele. Uh, beginning ukulele song series. Beginning ukulele song series. They can find you on Instagram. JennyPeters.21 ukulele songs. Okay, Jenny. And I'm having a hard time making sense of what to do with Instagram. I don't know how to oh, deal yeah. with it yet because you can't put links in. I don't, I don't know how to make it best work. And then uh, is there any other place that they should be looking for you? Facebook, 21 ukulele songs. 21 ukulele songs on Facebook as well. Yeah. So, oh, and there is one other thing, Rebecca. We have a podcast gift, which we would like. Oh, right. Ukulele.io forward slash podcast. And we'll send you a copy, Chris, and then you can put that into the show notes. This is a gift for anybody who has listened. It's 10 songs in the key of F, 10 ukulele songs with two chords. And, and everyone includes B flat. No, just kidding. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> There's the gotcha, right? No. Watch and C7. That's it. So, what was that link again? One more time. It's you tell them the link, Rebecca. It's ukulele.io forward slash podcast. And you can find a link to those 10 free songs for listening to podcasts. That's very nice. We didn't even talk about doing that. So, yeah. thank you so much. We'll send that to you, and then you can put that in the show notes. Excellent. Well, thank you again for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.